If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to the big leads sports media guru, Ryan Glassbeagle, about his passion for over-the-top ballpark foods. And we might even learn how to make a few of them at home. And we will also go deep on the scoring system used in the movie The Karate Kid. So Adam can tell us all about how a 30-year-old movie would never hold up nowadays because some kind of bizarre technicalities exist with our modern MMA scoring system. You're already making me angry. We'll get to this in a second. (laughs) I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me, a very surly and oh-so-fresh face sports media strategist who has logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands, Mr. Adam Millard. Adam, how excited are you to talk about Karate Kid scoring today? I mean, I, I love Karate Kid, and I love mixed martial arts. We get to combine the two. One really led to the other, as you said, 30 years later, but there is a connection here. I like it. I'm excited, too. I, I can't wait to get into it. Also with us, our other co-host, our Emmy-winning sports producer, joining us from our Brooklyn studios, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, what was the last vinyl record you listened to? Just curious. I know you own a lot. <laughs> uh, the one in front right now is a piece of great Chicago soul, Terry Collier's What Color Is Love? It is on Spotify if you want to look into that one. So, Brad, don't be offended by this, but sometimes Gareth and I talk to each other without you, and Gareth has put together a couple amazing Spotify playlists of his favorite music. I think we were talking about, the was it it the L. Michaels Affair? Um, Yeah, we were talking about their Wu-Tang stuff. Yeah, Enter the the 37th Chamber. Yeah, Wu-Tang Instrumental, and Gareth unleashed a whole new world of music on me, and I really, um, I make fun of him sometimes, lovingly, for being a Brooklyn hipster, (laughs) Uh, but it really, it's like, it's music I listen to when I'm home blacking out. From drinking. No, it's good. I mean, look, I, I, I'm also a music connoisseur this week. I downloaded a 45-year-old Beck song and a Taylor Swift song uh, for my daughter to dance to, but that's about it. Uh, also with us in the studio, ladies and gentlemen, across America, put your hands together for Mr. Joe Reed. Joe, what do you have to say for yourself this week? What's up, guys? I'm a little sad. A show that I like and I'm going to get mocked for ended last week. But you'll find out about it in my hammer. Oh, that's what we call the hard tease. And Joe getting a little cocky. <laughs> yeah. You guys are going to be really interested in what I have to say. No, I highly highly, highly you're doubtful. Gonna, you're going to make yeah. fun of me. Okay. But I'm still going to do it anyways. All right. Well, Joe, I'm still going to edit it out. So don't worry about it. Um, All right. Everybody okay. heard it. Brad's editing this episode. As you know, on this show, we don't just invite our guests on. We slam the hammer to them. Meaning we look around the sports world to see what people are talking about, what they're into away from the games, and when they express an interest in something, we consider them obligated to join us on Just Not Sports to talk about it. So, Gareth, 
Who do you want to slam the hammer to, buddy? Yeah, uh, this week my hammer is going out to Andrew Luck, quarterback of your Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this summer, Andrew Luck started a book club, and he's invited anyone who wants to to go join it on his website. And uh, there's two books going on. The one I want to focus on is, and he did it with his teammates, uh, the one book that got some covers that I want to talk to him about is The Boys on the Boat, about the crew team from the Olympics back in the 30s in Germany, and a good friend of mine in sports, Aaron Cohen, who also hosts uh, is one of the co-hosts of The Throwback Show, uh, a podcast about movies from the 90s and 2000s, mostly movies, but pop culture in general, uh, just did a documentary on that story for American Experience on PBS. So Aaron's on board. Now we just need to get Andrew Luck to come on, talk books, the boys in the boat, and uh, maybe a little ping pong. So that's my hammer. I love it. I love it. I, I love book clubs. I love Andrew Luck's uh, you know, reading credentials. Let's do it. What, are we going to join the book club? Let's just do it. That's actually not a bad idea. All right. Yeah, let's we'll, we'll join the it. book club. Yeah. Right. All right, I haven't read a book yeah. in like I'm still like 30 pages into Infinite Jest, which I regret committing to after our Dan Bernstein episode. But uh, you know, I'll work that in sometime around uh, Andrew Luck's uh, assortment of uh, novels. Adam, who is your hammer? Let's keep the suspense for Joe's. This is kind of a lame hammer because um, I don't know what I want to talk to her about. But the newest face of women's uh, MMA and UFC is Chris Cyborg. She pummeled her opponent this weekend in her first UFC appearance, and I predict will defeat Ronda Rousey and whoever else she takes on. She is an absolute animal. She works out, so her trainer will get her heart rate up to 190 and work her there. Keep her at 190. Please. And then within 30 seconds, she can get back down to 145 beats per minute. She is an absolute machine, hence the nickname Cyborg. And I want to talk to her about something. Let's do it. Let's talk to her. Let's have her join the book club. Maybe about what it feels like to be an actual machine. That's Adam making those noises. Joe, don't kill us anymore with the suspense, buddy. What is your hammer? No, so I'm sad that uh, a show that I like, I watch a show called Survivor. Oh, yeah. Richard Hatch for life. That's yeah, baby. fine. I thought you were going to say like One Tree Hill or something. Maybe it's just That's people of my generation, they think it's ridiculous, but whatever. Um, so I watched Survivor. It ended last week. I'm sad that it's gone. I got to wait till the fall. But someone, there have been a few prominent athletes on it throughout the years. Um, but one I wanted to call out was uh, commentator and former coach Jimmy Johnson. That's right. Yeah, he was on the Nicaragua season, which uh, I think yeah. was like the 21st season. Um, apparently, he's been a lifelong fan. He was supposed to be on it a few seasons prior, got injured, or something happened where he had to delay his appearance on the show. Um, and he said, through everything I've been through in coaching and professional sports, this is by far and away the most stressful, most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and so I'd just be curious to hear why he likes Survivor and what was his experience like and um, 
So yeah, I, that's what I'm asking. Sure, about. that's Lots an excellent hammer. Yeah, it's good. Lots of athletes have gone on. Cliff Robinson, I believe, was on Survivor. Matt uh, Kent, the cliffhanger. Oh, Jeff Kent. Oh, Jeff Kent. Yeah, baseball player. Yeah. Scott Pollard was on. Do you know who Scott Pollard is? Basketball player. Kansas. 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 He was on, he's on this current season. He got voted is off. Is that few weeks right? Ago. Yeah. Athletes never get far because everyone knows they have money. Yeah, that's the tough part. Joe, this should be your own podcast. I'm not trying to kick you off. Guys, we should do it. Yeah. Honestly, we should do We should, I hammer all of them and let's do a Survivor special before the season premiere this fall. I'd be totally down for that. That That'd sounds be great. Awesome. And Gareth, I look forward wait, to booking all of that being, CBS talent. Wait, did you say the show's <laughs> over yep. as in being, they're ending the series? No, no, yeah. So the series isn't done, but this season has come to an end. Um, so we'll just... We can prepare for the special lives. The, the fall, uh, the fall season. Yeah, we got we got all summer, baby. Let's. I would love to have people on talking. Have you guys been watching Game of Thrones? Man. No, not yet. The Khaleesi got no, naked wait, again. Big on, news wait. in Howard Stern's world. Yeah, go back, Gareth. Joe Reed is a fan of Seinfeld and Survivor. Joe Reed, you are forty. You're in your forties. <laughs> You're a throwback, Joe. Hey, I'll I'll take that as a compliment. Do you own a VHS? I do not know. Okay. No. no. I, do. I do. Sadly. I bet you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll leave that, leave that lie. Um, my hammer this week, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I went a little off the rails last week. Uh, this week, Randy Johnson, former Major League pitcher, super into photography. Randy, please join us to talk about it. Nice. Hmm. Like it. And tell us it. about blowing up a bird. I was just gonna say. You know what? I went to his website to check out his photos, and I thought he'd always walked back that bird stuff, like he didn't want really want to be associated yeah. with it. And instead, um, kind of the opposite. Like there was a logo, <laughs> a logo of the dead bird, like a bird upside down. I was kind of like, all right, well, we have re- retaken this for our own brand. It was pretty hilarious. Well, it's art, amazing art, using using uh, using art kind of as a catharsis. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Hey, look, hey, no, like, Honestly, he, he didn't do it on purpose. Odds, like, the infinitesimal odds. Yeah, the infinitesimal odds of that happening. I mean, it's just amazing. All right. So with that, if you've got someone you want us to talk to, email us, justnotsports at gmail.com. Tweet us at justnotsports. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, a very fun conversation with the big leads, Ryan Glassbeagle, as we break down all sorts of delicious Goopy, messy ballpark foods. Stick around. Joining us on the show right now is Ryan Glassbeagle. Ryan is a writer for The Big Lead, one of my favorite websites, where he covers all aspects of sports and regularly breaks national news about sports media. He's also the host of the Glass Half Empty podcast, where he interviews some of the biggest personalities in sports today. But of course, today we're not going to talk all about Ryan's work. We're going to talk about Ryan's passion for professional ballpark foods, greasy foods, sloppy foods, expensive foods, foods that Darren Ravel tweets about nonstop. You know the kind. So Ryan, we're excited, <laughs> we're excited to talk about this with you. We have lots of thoughts ourselves, so thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. I want to start with my own personal hot take on this topic, which is I think the best food in a ballpark is from my quasi-hometown of Cincinnati, the Skyline slash Gold Star Cincinnati Chili Spaghetti Coney. That is, uh, well, there's two. There's, there's spaghetti with chili on it. 
which people think is super gross. And then there's like the, the chili spaghetti coney. So, Ryan, have you had that? And if not, we can get there in five hours tonight, man. I, I'll, I'll pipe up my Jetta and we can be in Cincinnati <laughs> like uh, by the time the, the Reds finish. I, so I have had Skyline chili that a friend of mine from Cincinnati prepared. That was like, <laughs> it, so it wasn't from the restaurant and I didn't have it at the ballpark. And I have eaten chili in Cincinnati, although it wasn't from Skyline. It was from a place called, it's either Pleasant Ridge or Prairie Ridge. Okay. It's, um, there's only one of them, and it was really, really good. I got these chili cheese fries, and normally when you get a dish like that, the French fries kind of wilt under the pressure of the chili, <laughs> and you have to eat it really quickly if you're going to keep them crispy. But... At this place, they, like, double-fried the fries or something. They did some magic voodoo with them to prevent them from getting (laughs) soggy. That was a really good, it was a memorable meal. An important innovation in chili cheese fry etiquette. And I got to say, Cincinnati chili is not for everyone. It's, like, really sweet. It's almost cinnamony and very runny. It's not a thick chili. Yeah. I don't know whether I would choose that over... Regular chili, I think I, I like them both. It's kind of like deep dish pizza and east and thin crust pizza. I, I like thin crust better probably, but I'm also not one of those people who's going to say deep dish pizza might as well be a casserole and you should never eat it <laughs> under penalty of prosecution. I would say, so that brings up a, a good question. So I think... There are two schools of thought around ballpark food, but also kind of junk food in general. Someone might say to you, uh-huh. like, why would you ever go to McDonald's when you could go to In-N-Out and get a hamburger? And my response is, well, it's not that I'm looking for a hamburger. I want McDonald's. This is not a, a particular We, we don't have a McDonald's sponsorship, by the way, so I didn't know. <laughs> <mention it twice. laughs> but, do, yeah. but do you have that kind of viewpoint in terms of, like, there's something – about the environment that you're in and the craving that you have. Yeah, really well, I think for first, first, first of all, I do think McDonald's gets a bad rap. Um, like when you compare it to things that like are more expensive, you're you're going to have a price and quality trade off with pretty much any product you're going for. And McDonald's is on the lower end of cost, and you're you get what you pay for. But actually, I really like McDonald's, and I think it's incredible that you can go anywhere in the world, and a Big Mac, fries, and a Coke is going to be exactly the same thing. The amount of like standardization and quality control that they've established on an international global basis is like really impressive, and I don't think that they get enough credit for that. So, <laughs> ballpark foods, though, because you cover sports, and so uh-huh. how much, I would say, how many different stadiums or so have you visited, and, and what is your favorite of all of the, I guess you could say, like, kind of air quotes, like, traditional ballpark foods? Hmm. Well, I think that the, this is going to be a little bit of an outside-the-box answer to your second question, which is, 
I think the best ballpark food on average, a lot of people would say the hot dog. I would say that it's the chicken tenders and fries basket. There are times where like you're, you pay six fifty for a hot dog and you walk away from it kind of unsatisfied, but like for whatever reason, chicken tenders are the one thing at ballparks that typically get bundled with fries as opposed to having to order them separate. And I don't know if you ever come away from a situation where you get that basket and you come away feeling like you want more right away. To answer your first question, I'd say I've probably been to 10 or 12 baseball stadiums, four or five NFL stadiums, probably like five, six or seven college football venues, and I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 NBA and NHL arenas. It's hard to count off the top of my head and I might want to for my own intellectual curiosity, look that up later. But you were saying you you had an experience at Wrigley lately? Yeah, I was just at a Cubs game about uh, maybe two weeks ago, and my girlfriend ordered the mm-hmm. buffalo chicken fingers and fries basket. And I think the reason... They have I, that at Wrigley? Yeah, it was very good. Wow. I think the reason I agree with you is because I got a hot dog, and the hot dog was gone in 60 seconds. Mm-hmm because I was hungry, but the chicken yeah, it's, fingers and it's fries. Real, it's real quick. I mean, there's nothing like a ballpark at a hot dog. Uh, there's nothing like a hot dog at a ballpark, but you either have to eat before, after, or like have a second thing that you're getting to make the hot dog really worthwhile. Absolutely. I mean, it was 10 minutes on and there were still fries in the basket. I mean, it was kind of, a, it was a nice. Okay. Know. But the hot dog at Chicago, it's a different, Animals. So you've got like the pickle True. on it. You've got tomato. It's a very sloppy dog. And it, if you don't eat it fast, it's it going to be all over your it clothes. Falls apart. You're right. But that, Ryan, I was going to ask you about that because yeah, ballpark foods are inherently sloppy. So, like, it's fun to eat them because it's just like all over. It's like you're a kid again, but it's the worst possible place to be a kid again because you're <laughs> in public. There's nothing to clean up with. And if you want to, you have to go to like the worst bathrooms yeah, in the world. <laughs> From, well, from a yeah, you, you you from a strategy perspective, you really have to make sure you're probably overcompensating on the napkins because if you're <laughs> sitting there and you've already made the people in your row get up so you can leave and come back, the last thing you want is to be in a situation where you're out of napkins and that stuff is just all over your hands. That that's definitely a really it's a veteran move to just grab a handful <laughs> of napkins because like odds are you'll spill beer on yourself later and you'll need them. They they never go to waste no matter how many you grab. And yeah, I I'm a pretty I I don't, I don't have the best manners when I'm eating, so I'll admit that I I my my fiance really doesn't enjoy eating with me very much, but I, yeah, at a ballpark, it's a whole nother ball game because the trays they give you aren't really sufficient for the surface area of what falls off of the general food. And that's another reason why chicken tenders are a good safe bet there. And, and this, this, but, um, at Wrigley, have you guys had the Italian beef sausage combo sandwich? Yes. Because I would argue that if you can't get hot dogs, then that is the the best thing at Wrigley if you're like really looking for a decadent meal. Yes, I have had that. And furthermore, I was I wanted to drive back to the point about 
one of the things that bugs me about Cubs fans is that Cubs fans always want to look cute when they're at the game. And I feel that strategy <laughs> prevents you from really enjoying the game like you want to. What can I say? I look cute. I am wearing, <laughs> I'm going to wear a dark t-shirt because something's going to get spilled and probably some kind of camo cargo shorts so that I don't even what? have to worry camo about the cargo. napkin. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I don't trying... put on my seersucker suit when I go yeah, to the right. game, Brad. <laughs> sorry. Cargo shorts have gotten a bad rap in the social media in the last few years, and it, it's gotten to a point where people are like, oh, only dads can wear cargo shorts. But I agree with you. I think that that's like a clothing item that needs to be brought back. And, yeah, you if you wear something to – especially to a baseball game, it's a little bit different – if you're going to the United Center for a Bulls or Blackhawks game, because a lot of people go there straight from work or things like that. But if you go to Wrigley Field, you ha- you can't go in there with something that you're totally unwilling to sacrifice to the ketchup gods. Yeah, and it's harder and harder because I f- I feel like I feel like the teams um, the teams are kind of in a cold war right now with ballpark concessions where. Um, you know, Atlanta Falcons' new policy, notwithstanding, where they just reduced their, their prices. What you see is a lot of them are using these foods as a PR stunt. Um, and Adam and I are in PR, so we, we know. Uh, they're, they're kind of creating yeah, no, these concoct- and I, yeah, yeah. I'm- and, and they get you guys to write about it, or they get Dan Ravel to tweet it. And it's like, let's make a pizza and a burger together, and let's make a, a $100 like thing that only <laughs> five people would eat if they're super drunk. I'm just curious, from your perspective, do you like that foray into, I guess, food as event? Or do you feel like it takes away from the quaint, take me out to the ball game, you know, go get like, you know, the traditional hot dog, like that more digestible fare, I guess you could say? Yeah, that's a good question. The I, I would say to it that first off, my my college roommate Craig Hansen, he had a theory on food, and I think for the most part it holds. But anything that tastes good tastes good together. So even like some things that like the burger pizza that you mentioned or things like that, I'm generally a fan of that type of thing. But I know that a lot of people have like texture issues or they have expectations in their heads of what certain foods taste like. And the idea of the grotesque food mashup is repulsive to them. And I can understand that. But for me, I don't know. I like combining really weird flavors and it works for me. Now, as far as doing it at ballparks, I mean, I mentioned that Italian beef sausage combo sandwich, which is a really unique to Wrigley. That's something that you can get at just about any hot dog stand in Chicago. So it's not as though that was something that they did to go viral or anything. But yeah, I totally, the Diamondbacks with like that 25 foot, like, gourmet hot dog or whatever it was. Right. I mean, the, yeah, a lot of these teams know that if they put out something ridiculous that it, it gets the name in the news. I don't understand what value that PR has for them because basically it's everyone sharing the picture and saying, this looks gross. So I, I don't know <laughs> what they're trying to sell by like putting those things out there, but I, I think that it's really just like people like to see something they created 
get consumed publicly, whether or not that means eating it or just sharing a tweet. But I'd argue that there are people who do like it. They just won't admit it. I don't know anyone who has admitted that they will vote for Trump, but some of them will. So, like, Just our producer, Joe. <laughs> um. So I, I happen to really like... Grow like I love I like monstrous food, so I <laughs> oh yeah I ordered I did um, too like a month ago. It was two grilled cheeses with three um, hamburger patties in the middle. Sounds disgusting to you. Was but, that a, was that was at like, like Applebee's or was that at some other restaurant? It was like it was something from Grubhub. I couldn't even tell you the restaurant, but I saw uh. it and I I saw it and like music played and <laughs> I ordered it immediately. It came to the door. The guy I could barely get the door open in time for to grab it and steal it from the guy and sit on the couch and consume it. Did like, the grilled cheese stay crispy in delivery? That's like a dangerous move. It did again. It was probably the With same that many thing. Burger, it was like, probably. It's the same thing that they sprayed on those fries, but yeah, it's yeah, just crisp. like Ajax. Like it's not like they're they're using I good chemicals. I felt bad about to... it. I felt bad about it as soon as I was it was done. But no way, it's worth it. Yeah, right. I can't. I don't. I don't order delivery that often because I feel like the transportation makes um, dinner like fifteen to twenty percent worse, and it costs like an extra five or six bucks between the delivery fee and the tip. So that's like I I delivered pizza in high school and I know about how all that works, but I just like think that the food gets worse in transport more often than not. Yeah, Ryan, what's really funny about that is like two minutes before we called you, we got a pizza delivered here that's been sitting in the corner and I'm sure it's like so soggy and gross. So as you were saying that, all of us kind of eyeballed it. We're like, oh man, yeah. he's right. No, we, we blew it. And I still can't wait to eat it. Ryan, you're a responsible, reasonable person, which I can't say. The same for myself. So uh, transition to, to another topic. I have a question for you. What do you think of what I would call fancy foods being served at ballparks? So, for example, like at the sushi, New Yankee Stadium. Yeah, they serve sushi. I'm as a I, – I believe on the one hand, like, yeah, hey, I'm they should a, have I'm options for Yeah, I'm opposed to it, and I don't know what they're trying to do because I, I don't know why they're trying to get people whose sensibilities – don't aren't in line with like enjoying a baseball game for what it is. I don't know why they're trying to get them into the building and, and stock their like most visible seats with people who aren't engaged with the core product. And I don't know what they were doing with that at Yankee stadium. Like I, I went and I actually, I sat in the legend seats two weeks ago with, I got invited by ESPN to do that with the founder and I had a wonderful evening. I mean, the buffet, the sushi doesn't even begin to describe what this was. It was just, they had everything. It was like the Bellagio. And, but then when you got out into the seats, they were about half full and this is Sunday night versus their biggest rival, the Red Sox with a chance to sweep them. And there just isn't a lot of energy going on right behind home plate. And I don't know, that probably doesn't permeate out to the rest of the crowd, but it looks weird on TV. And I don't know why the Yankees weren't trying, aren't just trying to sell to Yankees fans. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 I go back and forth on this. Like, I don't think there's any problem with offering it. If you've got a few, 
either A, if it's a signature dish that's inherent to your region. So, um, you know, I, I know like, like poutine is a good example. Now, 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 poutine is not necessarily, it can be very lowbrow and just like throw a bunch of, you know, stuff in a basket. But it can also be yeah. higher end or higher concept. And that's fine. If, if the Canadian teams, that's great. So if it's regionally focused, I think that's awesome. Like clam, if it's just clams or oysters or crab that's right. Cakes, yeah. yeah, if it's just there to be there, I, I get it. it. It's I don't really understand. Although these days, I feel like when you walk the ballpark, what you see is a lot more specialty stuff than when we grew up. Like when we grew up, it was there were a couple stands. They all kind of had the same thing. And now I feel like if you just kind of walk the stadium, you're going to see fifteen, sixteen more specialty carts. That are just giving you one thing, which I think is like fine if I'm there and, and someone's got a hankering for it, they just walk over and get it. Um, it's when the team sort of make it part of their culture that I'm like, is it really part of your culture? Or like you said, are you just doing this to get a like kind of a PR burst this year or just like a like get the eyes of, of fans and just you're not gonna you're not gonna really you know, like make this part of your your sports culture? Yeah, I it's it's tough to say because it, it, the divide you're talking about is really between newer venues and older venues. Because if you go to Wrigley, yeah, they've modernized their food a bit, but I, it's not like the autonomous food cart culture that you're talking about that exists in, say, Yankee Stadium. I, I just, I, I prefer Wrigley, Fenway, and Lambeau Field to any modern venue and it's it's weird to me that like in the, uh, by the same token of not catering to their regular fans the Yankees had this building where it felt like there were ghosts and the walls and the hallways new things and they tore that down to build this glistening palace that didn't really feel like a sporting venue and I'm sure that like it's probably just because I'm getting old and there maybe there are people who do prefer the newer things, but I like historical venues and I like the, no, I know like we've been talking about like grotesque, ridiculous food, but I do, I think like for the most part, I like the basics and yeah, I don't understand why they're doing some of the things that they do, but that being said, I guess I go to the games anyway. So if they're looking for incremental revenue, that's where they're looking for it. Right. That that's that's my rationalization for what they're doing, and I don't think I agree with it. But I guess if you want to understand it, that's probably the answer. I think one side benefit that I've experienced, Brad, to your point about having like different vendors sort of you know littered around a, a ballpark. I went to a baseball game last year. I went to a Nationals game. I'd never been to the ballpark before. And I found that it gave me, as a casual fan, it kind of gave me a reason to get out of my seat and, like, go sort mm -hmm. of explore the mm -hmm. ballpark. Like, you're right. I'm sort of used to, like, pretzel, hot dog, fries, pretzel, hot dog, fries. You know, I just repeat. Yeah. And it was interesting just, you know, if you want hot dogs at Wrigley, there's only one spot in Wrigley you're going to get them. And so, Ryan, I wonder, do you, mm -hmm. is there any merit in that of just, like, is part of the sports experience, maybe not at the like, new experience, maybe not at a Packers game or something, but like walking around, like, you know, take the seventh inning stretch and like explore the ballpark a little bit. I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everything has something unique to it. And I, I definitely agree with your point. Yeah. So I have a question. You, I believe you did a whole story where you made a bunch of ballpark foods 
at home with like fresh store-bought ingredients. Can you talk a little bit more about what you guys made and how the end product turns out? Because I, I think even the term came up in this interview, monster foods. Like these are, these are like monster foods. They feel like not something the average person could replicate at home. But it, actually in looking at the photos, it looked delicious and it felt like you guys really nailed it. No, well, okay. So first of all, I didn't make those. I'm the the extent of my ability as a cook probably <laughs> extends to pasta, or I mean tacos. I couldn't. I can't do those. What I did with those was I, uh, my my friend John Carruthers. He's one of the principals of a Chicago-based grilling troupe called Manby Q. They they host every month. They host a thing called a meeting, which is. A, M-E-A-T-I-N-G. It's a grilling potluck, and everyone just comes and brings their own recipe that they throw on the grill and a six-pack of beer, and everything becomes communal. They do that. They they host some pop-up meals. They've collaborated with hot dogs on things before, and they 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 just released their second cookbook called Eat Street, which is uh which is how to grill street food, basically. So I gave John a list of ridiculous things and said, hey, let's make these in our, in a kitchen. And so he created them and he did everything. And then I got my friend's fiance, Radha Kulkarni, who is starting her, she's a photographer and she does some other stuff. And she took photos of them and we made them look really, really good. And they were really good. I mentioned earlier the Burger Itza, which is, they have that at Turner Field right. in Atlanta. That was a, a burger with pizza as the buns. And as oh we were discussing earlier with the food <laughs> mashups, it was really good. Can I ask you a question about that? Not to, was, right, not to cut you off, sorry. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand why the top, the cheese part of the pizza was facing out towards your fingers. They should have flipped it so you have... A clean oh, crab. Crust and crust. No. Like, is that is that right? Did I get that right? It was no. It was it was the he built the crust in a way that you could eat it as a sandwich. It like jutted like ninety degrees up. He did some Jedi stuff with it, <laughs> and so you could eat it normally. And it was it was how you would eat a cheeseburger and how you would eat a slice of pizza. You don't eat a slice of pizza upside down. So. The he, he I I I had some more skepticism that it would work and you'd be able to keep it all together instead of just mashing it up and taking eating it with a knife and fork. But this is a sandwich you can eat with your hands. And then another another dish that we did there was um, we did cauliflower poutine. So the deep the deep fried cauliflower was good on its mm. own, and when you combined it with cheese curds and oh brisket gravy, it was amazing. really really good. Adam had just had a religious experience. He's like staring up at the ceiling. What's the Adam's. name of your friend who created the ninety degree <laughs> thing? So I can name my first son after. His, his name is John Carruthers, and it's, he's all over Chicago media the last few weeks with the release of their book, they were grilling outside on the street across from the Chicago theater today on Windy City Live. They eat there. They're doing some really interesting things. And like, this isn't any of their full-time jobs. The two principals, one of them is, uh, 
he's a sales rep, I believe, for Goose Island. And then one of them works, I think, in publicity, but I'm not 100% sure what his job is. But he works at Morningstar, which is a financial firm. So the two of them do this in like a lot of their free time and they just released their second cookbook and they, they do really interesting things. You guys should come to one of their meetings. Okay. When? <laughs> We're in. Yeah, you had us at, you had us at uh, Poutine with the uh, deep fried. I have the meat. Sweat. <laughs> I have the meat sweats right now and I've not consumed is. any meat. This is incredible. Uh, uh, pro tip for you real quick. So, it just so happens, I'm glad you mentioned Lambeau Field because I spent seven years working for the Green Bay Packers, and they have something. Oh, wow. This is one of those things, again, that seems like it is the novelty over the food, but it's fantastic. I know where you're going with this, by the way, but it go is, on. It is a foot-long brat horseshoe. Um, weighs it's about more than a foot-long. It's either 18 or 24 inches. You're right. Yep. Uh, and mm-hmm. it is delicious, and you can't. I dare someone in the audience with it, to or it's just, it's just. Oh yeah, there. full bun. It's bratwurst. It's called the horse toppings. collar. It's like a yes, kielbasa you're right. it's the horse in a collar. big bun. That's like a gigantic horseshoe. If you wear it, so I'm like I've those never actually gotten it because I'm trepidatious about the nacho cheese that comes on it. I don't, for whatever reason, like. I like nachos, but ballpark nacho cheese always gives me a pause. And I look at it, and I'm like, I feel like that might ruin it. But You're it in Wisconsin. You're perfectly safe. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, would you wear it around your neck on like a sub-zero day and just eat, kind of casually eat it as yeah, the game like, goes Yeah, it's like on. having a baked potato yeah, in your – yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're full of innovation here, or Jedi, Jedi stuff, as you said. So, okay, so Ryan, we – on Just Not Sports, we really hate how athletes get put through um, horrible aptitude tests during the combine, like the Wonderlick. So we've created the Just Not Sports Wonderlick, which is five questions about uh-huh. the thing. Five questions about the thing that you like. So in this case, it's five questions about ballpark foods. I'm going to give uh-huh. these to you. What, what we're going to do? I'm going to name the ballpark food, and you try to tell me the team that has invented it. Now these may oh, not God. all be current. But they are close. And Adam and Joe have not seen this, so maybe they can guess too. Feel free. All right. All right. Number one, this is a gimme. The Strasburger. Uh huh. The what? The Strasburger. It's an eight pound Big Mac knockoff. Oh, that's burger. the Washington Nationals. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. It's eight pounds? Eight pounds. At least that's what it said Jeez, online. Jeez Louise. I don't know. That's amazing. All right. One for one. There's five total. I, I think you're, you're going to go four for five here. I feel pretty good. I hope I just hope I hit six hundred. <laughs> All right, so we're really got that that third one's really going to be crucial. All right, so number two, the Cracker Jack and Mac Cheese Hot Dog. So it's got it's a hot dog with Cracker Jack and Mac and Cheese on it. Which team invented that? Uh, I don't. Let me get. I'm just going to guess one of random. The Baltimore Orioles. Good guess, Adam. You want to guess? St. Louis Cardinals? No, it's the Atlanta Braves, who actually are like an innovator in weirdo, gross <laughs> ballpark foods. They have a lot of <laughs> that random That one's stuff. a step too far, even for me. Yeah, the Cracker Jack. I could see the mac and cheese dog working, but the Cracker Jack on it just might be just to protect. I like the idea of like making it a little sweet, but it just might be a texture problem. Macaroni sounds good. You ever put hot dogs in macaroni as a kid? No, I'm not a miscreant, Joe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I lived on a budget in college. <laughs> I did the uh, hot dogs and macaroni and cheese are amazing. Yeah, I did like tuna and corn in a bowl and microwaved it, but that's a different day. Um, okay, one for two. Number three, 
the $50 Jumbo Bagel. It's a four-pound bagel with ham, chorizo, sausage, potato, eggs. I'll give you a hint. Jumbo is a key part of the name, and it is a football team. Um, the New York Giants? Jets. Close, Jets. Jumbo Jets. Jumbo Elliott, ah. Jumbo Elliott right? No, Jumbo Jet. <laughs> Adam's like Jumbo Elliott. No, Jumbo Jet. Oh, Jumbo Elliott. I would have said Giants. Well, he was. He was an offensive lineman on the Jets. Thank oh. you. I thought he was on the Giants. No. We're all messed up. But you know what? <laughs> he was on the Jets. That's what I was thinking got of. that right. Someone got that Jets. right. We're two for three. Yeah, all right. Okay. Two left. No, I got it wrong. Okay. You, well, we were, we're a team here. I was, giving, we got yeah, it I was right. giving it to you. I was giving it to you, Adam. But you know what? If you want to ride solo. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't want, I don't want <laughs> steroided stats. All right. Okay. One for, one for three. Well, you got two more. One then. Okay. The totally... Rossum, Rossum Boomstick. It's a bat-sized hot dog. So the hot dog is size of a baseball bat. That's a that's a that's a uh, a, a clearly a um, a clue. It's a bat-sized hot dog with jalapenos and Doritos. Rossum. Uh, and that is a clue. Yeah. So think baseball, and then it's called totally Rossum Boomstick. Rossum. I don't know who Rossum is, but I'm guessing. Oh. They played on this team. <laughs> um, I hear you typing. I hear you Googling. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know, I'm I know. playing with my keys. I'm playing with my keys because I fidget. I swear to you, I'm not typing. Is it the Seattle Mariners? Right division, wrong team. It's the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I don't know. These are these are challenging to me. I wonder what Ravel, how Ravel would do with this. Oh, play. I'm sure Ravel would be like correcting my pronunciation on Rossum, and he'd be quoting me. <laughs> he's like, you know, that's that's 1595 last season, but they upped it to 15, you know, uh, 1599 this year or something. Um, uh-huh. All right, number five. Okay, this is your chance to get over the Mendoza line. You're one for four. The triple, triple Wayback Burger. It's nine patties and nine slices of cheese on a hamburger. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these. Let me, I'm just going to guess that this is the mess. Oh, again, right division, the Phillies. Ah, man, batting 200. I, I drastically underperformed expectations. Yes, but sir... You're, you have overperformed on your knowledge of ballpark <laughs> foods, on your a, ability to find someone who could cook them. Thank you. <laughs> we are so in on, on that experience. And uh, we need to, we should probably have you back on to talk about more of this uh, in the future. We've taken up a ton of your time, so I'll let you go. But I just want to tell people uh, go read you on the big lead again. Lo- love your work on the big lead. Listen to the podcast glass, ha- glass half empty podcast, uh, where you talk to a lot of the top names in sports and sports media, and then follow you on Twitter at sports report. I, I it's, uh, R it's sports R a P P O R T. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Or did you, did, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Well, Ryan can't think enough for the, uh, as we go, any is there any last food that if you're that you remember from a stadium that if anyone's there this year they should just have to try or else they're just you know way way out of it. The the brat at Miller Park it's probably not the best brat in the world but for whatever reason when you're in Wisconsin you get a brat you put some onions on it and mustard it's just so good I don't know I. 
I don't. I if if you ask me like what my favorite baseball park food is, it's probably that. Well, that's a good suggestion. We got Maybe we'll do a Just Not Sports a road trip up to Miller Park. I'm getting a lot yeah. of eyebr- eyebrows raised from the co-hosts here. Ready I go to, to go. opening day at Miller Park almost every year. <laughs> Let me know. All right. Well, <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, thank you guys uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be in touch soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. friend Brad and I used to debate what we called perfect movies. And when I tell people The Karate Kid is a perfect movie, they get pissed off. Now look, a perfect movie does not need to be high art. It just needs to be a movie that's trying to do something and succeeding really well in trying to do that. And Karate Kid tries to show an underdog story, some kick-ass fight sequences, a little bit of love story with the girl who's like the girl next door, and an awesome training and fighting montage. Hey, Karate Kid creators, mission accomplished. Anyway, I was having this debate with Adam, who all of a sudden got really hot under the collar and said he needed to talk about Karate Kid on this week's show, and especially about the point scoring system used and how it would pertain to modern (laughs) MMA. So, Adam, let's dive right in. What the hell are we doing here? So, let me first say that Karate Kid maybe my all-time favorite movie i've seen it no less than probably and i'm i'm not exaggerating i've seen it all the way through no less than i gotta go with between 125 and 150 times all the way through nice uh healthy however uh as someone who grew up doing martial arts i had the thought um how would Ralph Macchio's character, Daniel, or anyone in that movie, fair in an MMA fight? And the, qu- the answer is they would get their asses kicked. <laughs> so wait, Brad your premise is Ralph Macchio would get his ass kicked by, like, Conor McGregor? No shit. <laughs> I mean, that... Well, yeah, Why are we here? Retired, like, it's 10 dude. o'clock at night. Why are we here? Well, let me, let me explain a little bit in more detail. Uh, having grown up doing martial arts, I think the type of sparring and type of tournament that is seen in Karate Kid, the All-Valley Under-18 Championship, (laughs) (laughs) to be specific, I always hated point fighting because it has nothing to do with who the better fighter is. It's about who has the best reflexes. So a lot of people who criticize the movie Karate Kid say... There's no way that a guy could go through, let's say in the movie, it was six to eight weeks of training, go into a tournament against the best fighters in that state, and that state being California, and win this kind of tournament. And I would say, sure, there is. If you can block and counterpunch, which requires dodging or parrying one strike, and landing with a punch or kick and not a hard one at that, you win. And it's the first person to three points in every match. So I, as a martial arts purist, hate this type of fighting. And I can remember even as a kid where we would get in the ring and put on gloves and spar, 
uh, it was kind of a similar situation where a local dojo challenged us and we said, sure, but we're not point fighting. If you want to get in the ring, we'll do five minute rounds and we'll take you on, but we're not doing point fighting and they were out. But it's no different than like Olympic boxing versus regular boxing, right? Like Olympic boxing is like the laundry list of dudes who were future heavyweight or middleweight champions who got hosed because they just didn't punch a dude on the left side of his temple enough. Here's the thing. I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is, let's say you and I are sparring, um, and you your first punch gets there faster. You got you got a point. If you do that three times in a row, and that style of fighting, you win. It does not. It it may prove that you have better reflexes, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't fight. So I shouldn't say that Johnny wouldn't get in the ring and be able to compete in MMA, but it's, it's a very limited part of what martial arts is about. It's the ability to get to get out of the way of a strike and to counter with a strike. Now, as someone who's done martial arts uh, for on and off for my whole life, like I've been hit in the face plenty of times. I've taken some hard shots, and I've come back to win the fight. It has nothing to do with... Um, being able to light because unless you are uh, a really precise and strong fighter you can hit someone with one punch but it's not going to do much damage yeah gareth i shuddered to ask this have you seen the karate kid oh yeah 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 come on now personally i prefer the ending of karate kid 2 with it's not tournament daniel son this for real and they all play the little hand drums I mean, and I like to quote that a lot, especially around the NCAA tournament at work. And now a bunch of Joe Reedian millennials look at me like I have eight heads. And what you uh, what you mean is, what you mean to say is, Daniel, son, this not tournament, this real life. This for real, right? I think he says this for real. Oh, is it? That's what. Yeah, I said this, yeah. it's for real. And then they look at me like I have eight heads because they don't know the movie and they think I'm racist. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I could say this: Karate Kid Two holds up way I better than this. you imagine. You yes. are racist. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's I, true. Karate Kid Two holds up way better. It did a lot of things that you that that I think a good sequel should. It kind of picks up right where it left off and gives you something kind of closure with the John Kreese character. He's a great villain, by the way. And then it gives you a whole new setting, whole new characters. I love the the the. The stakes get raised a little bit. I like that he tries the crane kind of early. He's like, hey, I'm going to go right to my moneymaker. And then, boom, knocked out. I think it's pretty great. Yeah, it's I'm way better, though, is Karate Kid this. 3. I uh, once wait, ran a... hold on. Let's, let's just let's back up a little bit to Karate Kid Part 2 because you're wrong again. So, <laughs> um, first, and for, first of all, uh, John Kreese, again, a guy who trained with legendary karate and... Uh, what I assume from uh, some other plot lines in the movie were in Taekwondo instructors in Korea um, is going to lose a fight by punching through two windshields because he's a big sluggish American and would try after years and years of martial arts experience would just continue with his momentum and punch straight into a windshield, not once, but twice. Then <laughs> At the end of the movie, uh, Sato's student, Chosen, uh, C-H-O-Z-E-N, uh, who fights Daniel in, the, in this final fight, gets beat by a series of counter punches. Again, 
Chosen is called Sato's best student throughout the movie, uh, shows dynamic and acrobatic martial arts move, and is beat with the drum technique, by the way, made in Cancun, not a part of Japanese, not part of Okinawa. <laughs> Come on. Well, okay, Ralph originally. Macho, not and he good beats him either. We're, with we're a over series of very simple counter punches. I'm going to throw a punch. And you're gonna counterpunch. I'm gonna throw right. a punch. You're gonna counterpunch. And we're, I'm gonna keep do. We're gonna. That's just gonna keep happening without any blocks happening from Chosen until Chosen passes out in the, at the end of this. Movie. All right, I have Ridiculous. to. I have to jump in on one thing. And Gareth, you remember you've seen Karate Kid too, so you you know this. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the scene where Crease, <laughs> who's an amazing villain, punches through the two windshields. He's choking yeah. Johnny. He's choking Johnny, and he's like, "You're a loser." You know, first of all, it breaks my heart. He broke his trophy. Yeah, you know, I like, agree. Yeah, that really sucked. <laughs> it was a big trophy for number two. Um, he punches through both of the windshields, and then when when Mi- Miyagi walks away, um, mm-hmm. like Johnny and the Cobra Kai are just sitting there on the curb next to Crease. Like I would have gotten out of there. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it occurred to me while watching that today. I bet he was there ride home. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. And that might have been his car. Sensei Chris, can you wrap up your bloody hands and we'll get yeah, in your you station driving? wagon? Can you, can you, oh, man, getting the keys out with two bloody hands of those jeans, tight jeans. Ah, oh, painful. The hands. We're just going to go to a pay phone and call our mom. <laughs> uh, ride their bikes. Um, okay, I, we got to get back because the way, like, look, this isn't. You know the old BS report. We don't need to break down Karate Kid's ass movies. No, I want to talk about the scoring system in the first Karate Kid because, as Gareth and I have said in our friendship for years, I have a few questions. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Number one, Johnny famously goes after Daniel's knee, uh-huh. sweep the leg, right? Yeah. First of all, Gareth, did he blow his ACL out in that? Do you think? Most definitely. Now we know, like, it's in the same way we now know that all the stingers I got playing high school football were actually concussions. That is definitely a blown ACL. (laughs) That is true. Uh, I'm going to say MCL, but you got. Okay. Okay. Well, Kyle Schwarber blows out his knee and gets carted off a baseball. He can't even stand in the field. Daniel's son landed on the bad leg. No way. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, it may be a severe sprain. Again, um, I don't know about the force that these guys were hitting with. But, but so okay. why was Johnny penalized for that move? Because uh, he intentionally hurt his opponent. You, but but hitting a guy in the face is not? Um, it was done with malice and not focusing on it. I had heard that you can't hit below the belt. It depends tournaments. on the tournament, yes. That's but in this tournament, well, you, na- you named you named the freaking tournament. So you're saying you the All Valley Karate Championship. Yes, yeah, so you haven't looked up the rules. Uh, Pat E. Johnson, the referee, would know the rules better than I would. Uh, he was also the fight choreographer. I always had this awesome. My other friend Brad and I had this awesome vision that, like, at the end of the movie, what should have happened was he was like, "No, Daniel." There's still one more match to go, and he like he takes off that that tight referee shirt, and he's got a tattoo in the same letters that says referee on his chest, and he just bare chest fights him. That would have been amazing. Gareth, uh, any insight into why he's penalized for that? Uh, already, I just told you. No, well, no. That's, why are you asking me? Yeah, I was gonna say like Adam is the guy. Like, All right. we have the expert. I was on, trying to so get you like, involved. Hey. <laughs> 
It's 80s movie talk, man. This is not your wheelhouse. <laughs> it, I think so. The spirit of the rule is this it was a move meant to injure or maim and not to score. Okay. So I, you, it, while trying, while in the process of scoring, if someone happens to get hurt, so be it. But this was not a move um, that was meant to score a point, it was meant to maim an opponent. Okay. Why does Daniel kick Johnny in the face and it's fine, it's a point, but Johnny punches Daniel in the face and it's not a point? That quest that is actually a question I don't have the answer to and I've wondered the same thing for years. It's probably a reason I still watch the end of that movie every time. Daniel wins with a kick to the face, but Johnny is immediately penalized earlier for hitting him in the face with his fist. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I think he probably because he ran into <laughs> his foot. So you're saying you would have preferred it if Johnny and Daniel had just fought and Johnny had just been able to beat Daniel's ass with his with Listen, brawn and bare hands. <laughs> let's say that this movie is set today in its MMA thing. In the octagon. In the octagon. And Johnny and Daniel get in there and they say, great, guys, it's going to be three five-minute rounds. Daniel is leaving on a stretcher. There's no way. But who wants to watch that? I I, I would so much rather see an underdog like Daniel be able to win this of tournament. Of course you would. And my whole point is to this is that's why I don't think this that style of tournament is legitimate. I don't mean to discredit <laughs> martial artists who have done it, but I don't think it's a true test of your overall martial arts skill um, to – We'll play patty cake, and if you hit me first, then, okay, I'm going to get up. We'll do it again. We'll do it three times, and we'll right. all go home. Are you against the salary now, cap? No, I think a, a lot of reason that it's done, too, um, and, that, and we saw it in this age group in the movie, is for safety reasons. And certainly there are some martial arts skills that are applicable, um, and there's occasionally a good back and forth. But most of the time, um, if you're a good defender, which was – I if I think – um, Mr. Miyagi played it perfectly because the most of the movie and the training focuses on being able to def- defend. Um, and in life, in a real fight, that helps you not get your ass kicked. But in particular, uh, in a, a point tournament style, uh, a point um, tournament like this, it particularly helps because if you are a pretty good defender, you have a chance at advancing pretty far into later rounds I've got nothing Gareth <laughs> Joe I, I was about to start asking a question about defense versus offense and all of this and then I thought to myself wait a minute is that a sports question if you and if, if you look at I the, backed away if you look at the movie and you watch that which is awesome I, I want to be very clear that I love this movie and it's what made me get into martial arts I think I just evolved my perspective over the years um, but if you look at the tournament sequence, show me one scene where Dan- Daniel punches first. He never punches or kicks first. He's always waiting for someone from Krobukai to throw a strike, and he counters um, with the block and then a punch or a kick to score the point. It's a brilliant strategy for a first-time tournament participant, and hmm. he happened to be trained well enough to – get all the way through and eventually win the tournament. Yeah, so what's wrong with that? 
I think this is a much cooler thing to watch than them just like, and Johnny's rushing him again, and he's bowled them down to the ground, and they're rolling around, and Danielson is like waiting to get a submission move with his leg. Yeah, I mean, and I don't mean this. I, I can understand. Um, you just have no respect for my opinion. <laughs> no, I. It's okay. N- no, no, I think that the the type of fighting in Karate Kid, um, it looks better and cleaner, and is focused on um, clean technique and landing the strike, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't enjoy martial arts for the pure violence of it. To me, it's a byproduct of the skill that's happening. And uh, not that I'm an experienced martial artist, but in my limited um, ability, my limited competition and uh, in my pastime, I can tell you that getting somebody to tap out, to submit, is a far better, far more satisfying feeling than knocking them out. And I think takes a, a tremendous amount of skill. So where you say it's rolling around, the chess game that is jujitsu and wrestling, uh, it's incredible to me. Um, and it's something I didn't always appreciate, but as I've watched more and more martial arts, it's become something I really respect. Adam, so, can I get your thoughts on a, a critical fan theory uh, regarding the movie? Sure. So some people online believe that Daniel should have been disqualified from the fight. Can for I, the kick? For his crane kick at the yeah. end. I, I don't disagree. Article 8 from the United States uh, National Karate Federation Sports Karate <laughs> Rules Handbook. Yes, sir. And I quote, traditional karate techniques delivered full power can cause extremely serious injury or even death. Karate competition is a sport. And for that reason, <laughs> some of the most dangerous techniques are banned and all techniques must be controlled. So some fans say, you know, if you watch this clip of – of Daniel delivering this crane kick, he's he's out for blood. He's going for broke. He could have killed him, and he should have been disqualified. What yeah. are your thoughts? I agree. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I get right, out of here. That's, it. That's it. What? Here's, here's what we're <laughs> here's here again. This goes back to the point I was just making. I'm not about the. You're brute. a Karate Kid truther. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not about the violence of the sport. I'm a purist, and by it, but according to the tournament rules, he should have been disqualified. Daniel Sungazi, <laughs> what's the <laughs> name? What's it? <laughs> wow, Daniel Sungazi. Yeah, Miyagi Gazi, Miyagi Gazi. Man, Gareth, come on, man. I feel like this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm waiting for some more. This is awesome. I mean, you know what's a good movie? When they did the remake. When they did the remake with Jaden Smith, what, how did no, that end? No, nah, that doesn't. There isn't. I don't there know. There was no remake. I don't know. There was no remake. Just like there's no new Ninja okay. Turtles movie. You stop it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wow. <laughs> you, you, I don't think you listened to last week. There is no, or whatever it was. There is no Ninja Turtles movie. That, uh, Adam and I. Oh, uh, Megan Fox plays April O'Neil. F- her. She does not. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say this. Would MMA be better if these three things happened? Let's just say it's the big MMA fight. If they were about to reward it to the favorite, and then someone ran out and said, no, no, no. 
he's gonna the other guy's gonna fight. And then the announcer was like, Whoa, Daniel LaRusso's gonna, gonna fight. fight. Like that's Daniel what LaRusso's gonna Amazing fight. Amazing tension. Daniel LaRusso's gonna fight. Number two. If during an actual fight they played you the best around, wouldn't you just be so jacked up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every round, I would play it. And third, every fight should have a guy yelling this. Joe, play it. Okay, can you go on? Get him a body bag! Yeah! Put him in a body bag! <laughs> Which is a great quote. Get him a body bag! <laughs> Uh, One more time, Brad. One more time. No, we got it. We got it. Amazing. There's a, a MMA fighter nicknamed the Karate Kid because he did a, a Leota Machida, I believe is his name, because he knocked out an opponent with a version of the crane kick. You would call it a switch kick, um, but it was a front switch kick. You would call it a switch kick. Stop ruining this you would call the crane kick a switch kick it's a fucking crane kick well i wouldn't I guess call the millennium call falcon a vehicle <laughs> it's the millennium falcon it is, i mean they have called it it is term, the the front switch kick would be a crane the kick. front switch kick is even worse it's like you're like they call this the maneuver actually the maneuver and i may good. not be getting the terminology totally right but what's it called a crane kick for the sake of your yeah, child it's a crane kick it's the crane kick. It's I not love a this crane movie. kick. It's the, the point crane is, kick. I don't capital like... T, capital C, capital K. The, the whole point of this is there's a time and place for that type of tournament. I understand it's, it's safer. Um, athlete, our athletes who compete are less likely to get stingers, as Gareth uh, has called them. But uh, <laughs> in terms of martial arts competition and the best, the best fighting. Um, I just don't know. And certainly there have been prolific martial artists like uh, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme that participated in this style of fighting. Um, but Chuck Norris could also do the other. So there are guys um, who can compete in different types of competitions. I just don't think it's anybody in the movie Karate Kid. Could Kreese have been an MMA fighter? Kreese may have been a good MMA fighter to me in the whole series. Probably um, Karate... Karate bad boy Mike Barnes in part three. No, his his pupil, the Crease's buddy. I the bad the the the, the not quite good guy, bad guy. Uh John Crease's friend. Yeah. Terry Silver. Terry Silver. Yeah. He was good, right? He was good. Yeah. yeah. I always said that we back when I ran a website called Let's Do This Thang.com. Yeah. Um LDTT. LDTT, which I credit with changing the world from saying let's do it to let's do this. Uh, we we had this article about like what what was the business plan like for the bad guys in Karate Kid 3 to get the loan to reopen that dojo. So like so we're going to open it. <laughs> we're going to lure this local high school kid into our dojo, train him, and then when we beat him with another kid, we're going to get all the new customers. And it's like, how did they ever get funding for that? Well, if you remember, Terry Silver ran a shady waste management company where they were <laughs> dumping nuclear waste in, pla in places like, I remember, I think it was like, oh, it's so hard to dump nuclear waste in Bali these days. And that's where he made all of his money. That's what he said. I, I can't believe that he was like, 
But I know what I'll do. I'm making serious bank dumping nuclear toxins and probably can go to jail. Most of my life's existence needs to be facilitating this trade and covering up the paper trail for this trade. But I'll take a sabbatical and help you reopen your like dime store dojo disgraced John Creese. I'll help you beat up a teenager. (laughs) Multiple teenagers. Sending him into a downward spiral of alcoholism for the rest of his life um, because he cost your student a tournament victory and the old man made your knuckles bleed because you punched a car windshield. You idiot. Brutal. Brutal. All right. Well, I don't think we solved anything with this discussion, Joe, except for Joe... Joe has oh, convinced no. me what that this was a fraud, and Adams ruined the fantasy about martial arts. And Garrett, and hey Garrett, okay. at least you've seen this movie. That's about great stuff. But I do know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that you're grading that. me on the curve. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, I think we've exhausted this topic, Adam. Um, uh, no, thanks for for ruining the scoring system in the Karate Kid movie. Have we exhausted this? I think I could go on for a while. Let's talk about why is Ali wearing that sweater with that skirt. Um, post at the tournament, it just seems like a really uncomfortable because thing young hearts beat fast tournament. driving down the road. And why did they that's the song that plays in the arcade? They... <laughs> young <laughs> hearts beat fast. John, let me hear us a little bit. Driving taste. down the road, dun, 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 dun. yeah, you have to go. Young hearts die young. I think that you're the I best that's the lyric, right? around. Nothing's ever gonna keep you down. You're, you're the, the best, best around. Okay, that is our show for this week. If you didn't like it, just go back to our Malcolm Jenkins episode and realize what he said about bow ties. The beauty, my friends, is in the imperfection. Subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Just Not Sports. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Just Not Sports. We have an Instagram, Just Not Sports. We have a Snapchat we're not using, Just Not Sports. <laughs> if you know how to use Snapchat... Email us, us. at We're looking for social media strategy help. <laughs> and uh, let us know who you want us to talk to. Uh, send us uh, feedback, tweets, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, let's end with some shout-outs. I'll give a shout-out to the big leads, Ryan Glass-Spiegel. Very fun interview. We had a good, good time talking uh, ballpark foods. Uh, he's written about it extensively on the big lead, including that article we mentioned about trying them and making them at home. I would check that out. Uh, Joe, Joe, any shout outs this week? Yeah. So last week I was given some flack for going to Disney world and I was thinking about it and I'm going to give a shout out to Walt Disney because that guy really knows how to design a freaking theme park. That place is magical. That's my shout out. I want to give a shout out to Walt Disney who really hated the Jews. Hey, it's a magical place. All right. Sure. We talked about got our skeletons in our closet. (laughs) Whatever. Pretty big skeletons, brah. Yeah, I know. He's cryogenically frozen somewhere, so we'll bring him back and we'll have him it's, on the yeah, It's actually cryonically. Cryogenically <laughs> is a term used, science fiction term used in movies. What you mean is cryonically. All right. I get all my we'll cryo- save that for the frozen Ted Williams podcast. I get all my cryogenics news from Demolition Man. Okay, <laughs> Gareth, that's exactly another it. another nineties movies Gareth Hughes did not watch. Gareth, who's your shout outs this week? Uh, uh, that is some um, Brad Demolition Man, which gave us the murder death kill. Please, I am a big fan of Demolition Man. If it's a bad nineties action movie, 
I managed to see it. Wait, wait. I want to. Uh, I want to real quick. Dad, wait, Garrett, stop for one second. I want to unpack this. A great episode of a, one of the all-time podcasts. How did this get made? Talked about Demolition Man, and they posited that Sandra Bullock was supposed to be Sly Stallone's daughter. Makes a ton huh. of sense. So, yeah, he he talked about having a young daughter earlier in the movie. Uh, would it, he even says a line something like, "Would have been around your age." Um, had a wife. I think the wife left him when he was, you know, arrested. And didn't they? They Probably. felt they weird when they tried to have sex. Yeah, they like yeah, they like got yeah. into it, but it was weird. And I think what probably happened. I agree with the how did this get made people, and they're the ones who first talked about it. It's it hit the cutting room floor. Probably it was written that way yeah. or something, and either they, they just decided nah, make it a love interest, or testing went bad, and they're like just you know make them. That's bone. amazing. They went to the bone zone. So That's interesting. It's it's by the way, how does he made great movie? We'll get Paul Paul Shear on someday to talk about Shaq's acting and Dennis Rodman in Double Team with Van Dam. Gareth, your turn. Hmm. Uh, my shout outs are twofold. First of all, to the NPR show Studio Three Sixty. They did a series I can't recommend highly enough. American Icons and their episode about Walt Disney and the Disney World theme parks was fascinating which I found interesting because I hated going to Disney World as a kid. And my other shout-out, therefore, is to my children. Unlike Joe Reed, you will not be going to Disney World at any point while living under my house unless things drastically change. I don't. I have no taste for that sort of stuff. I think it's a crazy use of money. And the snobby hipster that I am, you will not be going to Disney World. Sorry, kids. Your dad hated it, so you hate it too. Garrus kids, you'll be going to a flea market digging through boxes of vinyl. <laughs> no, we just told we told our daughter that we went already, and you can only go once, and she didn't like it. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, she cashed in her <laughs> Disney World card that early? Yeah, she's only three. She doesn't know. She's not going to remember. No. Gonna come she's up not a regular me. listener to the podcast. She's finding out right now. No one in my family listens to the podcast, Joe Reed. <laughs> All right, Adam. Shout out first and foremost to, since we've had such a great fighting theme throughout the show, shout out to uh, PR director Dave Lockett uh, of the UFC. Um, Gareth, I know you know him. He was the Steelers PR guy for many years and has found a yep. uh, a nice home as the, the head PR guy for UFC. He has kindly offered to help round up some some fighters for us to come on as future guests. So, Dave, if you're listening, this is just a reminder that I'm coming back to you soon. Uh, as usual, I'd like to shout out my boy Uzi, Def Jeff. Testify. Little Swanee. Nice. Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. I love those Ronnie. guys. Love those guys. Thank you for all you do, guys, uh, especially you, Meech. Really clutch this week. And uh, – in the immortal words of future Hall of Famer and perpetual Renaissance man Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty.